Hey, it's episode two of the True North Football Podcast. I'm Joey Alfieri bringing you this latest episode, and we've got a big one for you here today. We've got uh, a guest, a very special guest, SJ Green, slot back for the Toronto Argonauts, recently just hit the 1,000-yard mark again, surpassed the 10,000-yard mark, uh, receiving yard mark for his career, which is pretty special and uh, really a brilliant career for SJ Green, who... I mean, at one point, 2016, when he tore his ACL, MCL, PCL, and the meniscus, uh, it didn't look like uh, it didn't look good. Let's just put it that way. And to see the success he's had uh, after you know his time with the Alouettes came to an end because of that trade, uh, it's been really nice to see. So really thankful uh, to have SJ Green on the podcast this week. That's coming up uh, in a couple of minutes. But we're also into the final week of action in the regular season. And uh, there's a whole bunch of games. There's some with meaning, some without meaning. Uh, there's going to be uh, some players rested. Uh, some of the regulars are going to have to play. I'm, I'm just about ready for playoff football. Not to say that I'm looking forward to the regular season coming to an end, uh, but specifically here in Montreal anyway. It's been already a couple weeks of meaningless games where you know the team's just hoping that nobody ends up getting hurt. And for the most part, uh, the Owls have been okay. Uh, but we'll see. One game left Friday night in Ottawa. Uh, the Alouettes, I think, would like to get that 10th win of the season. I think that's a significant milestone, going 10-8, and eight, finishing above 500 instead of finishing at 9-9. Nine and nine. I, don't, I don't think it uh, make, makes or breaks them. I don't think it defines their season because I think it's positive no matter what, whether you finish 10-8 and eight or whether you finish 9-9. Nine and nine, I think you're good either way. But I think just in terms of goals, I think you want to probably get that 10th win. And, uh, well, Ottawa is uh, right there right there for the taking, unfortunately, for uh, people in the nation's capital. But uh, it's been a down year. But, hey, listen, Red Blacks fans, you've had some fun uh, since coming into the league. After that rocky expansion year, there's been great cup appearances, a great cup title. So, eh, it's been a rough year. I feel for you, but hang in there. It'll turn around quickly, I think. Um, all right, but like I said, busy show. The other thing I want to get to, there was um, I saw on CFL.ca that a lot of my buddies, very talented uh, media folks, uh, guys like uh, Jamie Nye, Marshall Ferguson, I've been on their show before. They were asked, and there's a couple of other people as well, Don Landry, uh, Matt Cause, Jim Morris, were asked uh, who deserves the coach of the year in the CFL this year. And uh, you hear names like uh, Orlando Steinauer and Hamilton, Craig Dickinson, Saskatchewan. Uh, both have done a tremendous job. Um, I was surprised to see that not many people had Kahari Jones as their choice. And I think coach of the year sometimes, um, there's a lot of years where, especially in other sports and in bigger leagues, it's, you know, which coach coaches a team that exceeds expectations the most, right? Like the overachieving team. And although sometimes I feel like that is is really the easy way out and, and it forces us or it kind of puts us in that mindset where we overlook uh, a coach who's coaching a good team with high expectations, who deliver on those expectations. I feel like a lot of those times guys like that get overlooked for this award. But in this case, it's real like it's it's just tough to argue and it maybe it's just cuz I'm in Montreal and maybe I I'm incredibly biased when it comes to this, but 
I just feel like what Kahari Jones has has had to overcome this year. I mean, is 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 nothing short of remarkable. And honestly, I mean, I don't even know if we've ever seen this in a league before, right? Like, you have a guy who struggled for whatever reason as offensive coordinator, or, or maybe that's not fair, but the offense struggled under his and Mike Sherman's watch last year. And although I had them finishing second in the East at the start of the season, I think the expectation for the most part nationwide was that they'd be bad, right? And so who who thought that the Alouettes would have built this type of momentum heading into the month of November? I don't think anybody had that. And I think Kahari Jones is very obvious that he has – uh, he deserves a lot of the credit there. And look, again, I know the best they can finish is with 10 wins. And I know Orlando Steinauer got a lot out of his team. I know Craig Dickinson got a lot out of their team. And and some of the, you know, some of the reasons uh, that a lot, you know, of, of the writers uh, in this post on CFL.ca and, and, and the pundits, a lot of their reasoning is, well, both teams had to go, you know, to the bench and when at the quarterback position and they end up you know carving out really solid seasons and that is 100 percent true there's no doubt about it but keep this in mind people outside of montreal forget this and i think some alice fans forget this too vernon adams jr came into the season as the number four quarterback on the depth chart and i'd like to believe that kahari jones had some type of say into the quarterback depth chart once training camp came around. So they thought Vernon Adams Jr. was the fourth best quarterback on the team. He ends up having a fantastic camp. He was very good in the preseason. And what ends up happening, Antonio Pipkin, who was the starter, gets hurt in week one in Edmonton. Vernon Adams Jr. comes in, team down a couple of scores, he ends up tying the game on the road in Edmonton. The Owls end up losing late, but still, he he gave them some life. And then the next game, the second game of the year, they went to Hamilton and they played the Tiger Cats tight until halftime, and then Hamilton blew the game open. But after that point, I mean, there was the performance in Winnipeg that was bad. But for the most part, offensively, you know, this is a team that's been up and down, but they still they have come up with some big plays. And Kahari Jones and Vernon Adams, they're they're attached at the hip. Uh, in terms of you know the success that the Owls have had, they both deserve a lot of credit. But Gary Jones went to the bullpen too. I mean, Vernon Adams Jr. wasn't the starting quarterback. That's that's reality. That's 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 the truth. So here's here's the 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 dilemma with that you know Dane Evans and and Cody Fajardo argument is that Gary Jones is rolling with his backup quarterback too. And that's not to take away anything from Craig Dickinson. It's not to take away uh, from anything that Orlando Steinauer's done. But the reality is that Kahari Jones got the bump up, the promotion to head coach of this football team, who had been off the rails for years, by the way, less than a week before the start of the season. It's true. And then the general manager gets the boot. Right after the team had won, you know, they string back-to-back wins together. They're 2-2. Two and two, The general manager gets the boot. And a lot of the players 
on this team were brought in by Kavis Reed. So it would have been very easy for, you know, those players, the, the, those Kavis's guys to turn around and say, what's going on here? Like the general manager's gone. The guy who ran training camp as head coach is gone. Like what's happening? Like how, you know, how are we expected to have any type of success? And on top of all of that, there's been this, situation with ownership where you know different groups have been in the mix and and nobody's emerged you know as a as the candidate right now and nobody's stepped up and and gotten this deal finalized so you're talking about a team with an interim head coach a team with no general manager a team with no owner is sitting right now at nine and eight they're gonna host the playoff game and we're supposed to overlook that. It's like I said, there are times where I feel the coaches who run tight ships, coaches who meet expectations, they get overlooked. Like clearly, there's no doubt about that. It's happened in years past. It's it happens in every league. But the important thing is, we have to acknowledge when there's a situation. Uh, or an extraordinary situation that occurs, you know, sometimes the coach who exceeds expectations really deserves to be coach of the year. And I think that's what you have here. It's a nine-team league. The Alouettes are a team that hadn't made the playoffs since 2014. They're going to bust that slump this year. And I think you ask a lot of the players, and any of these players would tell you the same thing. Kari Jones deserves a lot of the credit. He's injected some life into this team offensively. This, I mean, this is a team. This is an off. I don't have to tell you guys. You guys know this is an offense that was absolutely brutal over the last few years. Quarterbacks were coming in. Quarterbacks were coming out. Vernon Adams came in. Raheem Cato came in. I mean, they've had guys come in and out. Darian Durant came in. Like, nothing stuck. Nothing worked until... Kahari Jones and Vernon Adams Jr. came together midway or even deeper than midway into the first game of the season, and something special was brewing. I mean, like, they, like this is a team that's 9-8, and eight, and, you know, they've had to integrate a brand-new defense, a brand-new defensive coordinator in Bob Slowick who had growing pains. And here they are. They're still 9-8. and eight. And, oh, by the way, Bob Sloick wasn't even a Kahari Jones guy. Bob Sloick was buddies with Mike Sherman. And they decide to make it work. I think everybody realized how tough it is to, you know, when a coach, when a staff is forced upon a coach, you know, that's never ideal. But, man, like she, like he's, this this job that Kahari Jones has done, it just you you can't overlook it, and I, I don't mean to overlook the job that the other coaches in the league have done, but it's just all these circumstances. You know, like the Alouettes were. Let's let's be honest here. I I know it's 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 popular among the fan bases right now. I get these tweets all the time where oh you know the league owns the Alouettes, so the league's going to give them calls. Let's be honest here. The Alouettes were set up to fail this year. They were. No matter how you, you know, no matter how you want to slice it, it would have been very easy for the entire organization to say, hey, we don't have an owner. The general manager's out. The coach, we're going to make a coaching change before the start of the season. This is a throwaway year. It would have been really 
really, really easy for them to do that. But I give the players credit because the players ultimately are the ones that play. But I think coaching makes a bigger difference than a lot of people realize. And that if you don't have competent coaches to put your players in position to succeed, your team doesn't have a chance. There's been great teams that have had terrible coaching and have gone absolutely nowhere. So it's 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 funny to me, you know, when I see a lot of my my media buddies say, yeah, you know, Orlando Steinauer and Craig Dickinson, hundred percent. You know, I, I I'm I'm acknowledging that those guys had great years and they got a lot out of their teams. And again, rolling having to roll with Fajardo, having to roll with Dane Evans, and I mean Hamilton's had way more injuries than that too. Sean Thomas Erlington at running back, a Canadian player. On top of that, you know. Um, ends up getting lost early on in the season and they've had to rotate different guys at running back and you know they've overcome some injuries Delvin Bros missed some time out there Hamilton has done an unbelievable job and Orlando Steinauer stepping into a you know a tricky situation because before June Jones left for the XFL I mean they were going to be on the same staff together with Steinauer as head coach and it didn't end up happening that way but still i mean just a lot of the distractions that have gone on in hamilton too you know credit to the organization the people in hamilton because you know it, it, again the season could have got away from them once masoli went down but they groomed somebody they put dane evans in a position to succeed and i think the coaching staff out there uh, they deserve a lot of credit jeff ryan bold mark washington Tommy Condell and the rest of the staff, they deserve a lot of credit at Hamilton. It wouldn't surprise me in the least if the Tiger Cats won the Great Cup. Like it, it, it wouldn't surprise me at all. But yeah, it's it's difficult to to envision and it's difficult to, to for for me to see that you know people aren't necessarily taking uh Kahari Jones uh, seriously. In this race for coach of the year, I know Jim Morris on CFL.ca had uh, had had Kahari Jones as coach of the year, but uh, everyone else had uh, Steinauer, I think. So, yeah, again, credit to what Hamilton did, credit to what Saskatchewan did, but I just think, given the circumstances, given everything that's gone down in Montreal, it's it's really hard for me not to give the nod uh, to Kahari Jones because this this was a team in turmoil. Again, I, I don't have to tell you guys, but we'll see how far they go. One, again, one game left in Ottawa. We'll see. They're going to host the Edmonton Eskimos in the East semifinal. Hopefully they can win that game, and then they get Hamilton in Hamilton. And, and I can tell you I was on the field, on the sideline for TSN 690 uh, last Saturday, and I told you guys last week, I thought Toronto-Montreal felt like a preseason game. Uh, there was no part of Hamilton-Montreal that felt like a preseason game. Guys were yapping. There was inactive players on the Montreal bench yapping with players on the Hamilton bench and on the field. I mean, that you could tell that was intense. And I'm, I'm hoping we see nothing against Edmonton, but I'm hoping we see Ticats against Alouettes. But it's interview time. Joining us right now, he's a slot back for the Toronto Argonauts. He's a seven 1,000-yard seasons, three-time Great Cup champ, two-time CFL All-Star, seven-time East Division All-Star, SJ Greek. SJ, what's going on, man? How you doing? I'm doing good, Joy, my man. How you doing, brother? I'm doing well. I'm doing well, SJ. Congratulations on uh, hitting the 10,000 receiving yard mark a couple weeks ago and another 1,000-yard season this year. How does it feel? 
Yeah, I appreciate it, man. It feels good. You know, it's a humbling experience, humbling feeling. Um, you know, I'm just grateful I'm able to still, you know, play this game at a high level. Did you have an opportunity to think about the journey to 10K, or is that something you maybe put aside for the winter? Uh, yeah, I'll put it aside. You know, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm still in the middle, well, not in the middle of the season, but I know I got one game left, so you know, I won't cheat myself. I'll continue to, you know, do all, do all the right things and make sure I'm prepared for my next game, and I'll reflect in the offseason. Greater appreciation for the milestone, maybe just because of you know the way 2016 ended. That that was a that was a serious knee injury. Uh, do you do you have a greater appreciation for the accomplishment? You think? Yeah, absolutely. You know, because you know at the end of the day, 2016, you know that, that could have been the last time I ever played football. But you know, fortunately, you know I was in a situation to be uh, you know to continue playing the game, and Jim Bob, you know, believed in me to come back and you know, be the player that I, that I was when I left. Um, you know, I've, I've been fortunate and blessed to play three more years and hopefully more. Yeah, uh, three more <laughs> thousand yard seasons, by the way. 1,400, almost 1,100, and uh, you're at uh, 1026 and counting this year. How tough have the last two years been, uh, though, SJ, just in terms of, you know, the wins and losses haven't necessarily been there? Uh, but for, you know, why hasn't it worked out in Toronto with the team on the field the last couple of years? Um, you know, if I had an answer for why it hadn't worked out, you know, I might be making a whole lot more money than I'm making now. <laughs> um, you know, the truth of the matter is, you know, we, I, you know, I feel like we've had, you know, the guys in the position to make the plays and do the things that, we, that are necessary to be done, but it just hasn't fallen in our favor. It just hasn't, you know, the ball just hasn't rolled, rolled, rolled our way and rolled for us, you know, in the times that we needed it to. So it's been frustrating, you know, but, you know, at the end of the day, you know, we're pros and get to play a game that we love, that we've been playing since we were kids, so. But to have that opportunity is always a blessing, and you know that's kind of try to try to relish in that in that moment. You know when you go through these tough times of adversity. I saw where the Argos surprised you with the, your family. You you had no idea your family was in Toronto on right. on last weekend. I had no idea, bro. You know, to be honest with you, you know, my wife was supposed to come up, but uh, she called me the night before, the day of, or something like that, um, <laughs> and told me she couldn't find a passport. She had lost the passport. She couldn't remember where she placed it. So, you know, I'm thinking, you know, I'm hired. I'll have to see, you know, see the wife and kids in a couple of weeks. The season will be over. And uh, no big deal for real, you know, right? But, you know, to my, you know, to my amazement, to my surprise, they're on the field waiting on me. So that was, that was, that was a beautiful surprise. So, so what's your, what's your reaction? Like when you, when you look over and you see them, what was that moment like when you realized that they were there? Oh, uh, no, I don't, I don't know if you can see me on the camera, if, if they had the camera on me or not, but uh, I was smiling from ear to ear, man. Like I said, it was a big surprise. I was only Hoping, expecting the wife the day before, you know, to, and to see everybody up there was, uh, was, it was, it was fun. It was good. So uh, we talked about, you know, a lot of yards, over ten thousand yards. SJ, seven hundred fifteen grabs uh, throughout your career between uh, two thousand and seven and two thousand nineteen. And I was just telling you, uh, I might be the only person in the country uh, who remembers you when you came into Montreal. I remember seeing you, you know, just your size, your ability to catch the ball, and here we are, seven hundred and uh, 15 receptions later, and uh, you're you're still going strong, man. Is there, if I had to tell you, you think of your career, is there one reception that, that stands out most? Because I've got one. I'll tell you what mine is after you tell me what yours is. Uh, it, it would definitely have to be that catch in Saskatchewan <laughs> in 2010. That's probably the one that sticks out the most um, to me. See, that's the yeah, that's the same one for me. People in Regina, they SJ, they argue with me. They insist that you were out of bounds. I don't see it. Oh, no, there's no way my elbow hitting the inline. I was inbound. 100%. That's exactly what uh, what I tell everybody. And, and again, I don't know how many people remember this. I just I remember you being 
such a professional, but such a patient guy. Because, I mean, the Owls at receiver, when you were here, when you just started, I mean, they were stacked, right? Like Andrew Hawkins, uh, Jamel Richardson, Ben Cahoon, Kerry Watkins. And you were really patient, man. Like the first two years, uh, you only played five games. And the third year, you only played in eight games. So how important was it for you to be patient? And how did you do that? Because you knew you were good enough. But how did you do that? And how did you stay patient waiting for your opportunity? Um. Well, just to, just to correct that stat line you got, it was four games in the first two years and oh. eight games in the third year. CFL so nine, nine games in the third year. But okay. even with that being said, yeah. Um, yeah. it was hard, man. It wasn't easy. You know, I had a family to provide for back home. So, you know, it, like I said, it wasn't easy. You know, there were trying times and times I wanted to, you know, thought about quitting and, you know, thinking that maybe this wasn't, this wasn't, it wasn't for me. Um, but, you know, I persevered and I was able to, you know, go to practice every day and continue to, to grind it out, you know. One day you just, it just, it just all came in, came in, came into fruition for me, and it unfolded right in my lap. So it was a process I had to go through, not an easy one, but one I'm thankful for every day because it turned me into the man I am now. So is it true that the Argonauts back in the day wanted to get you off the Owls practice roster, and you said no, you decided to wait? Yeah, yeah, that that happened. I can't remember exactly what year it was. It might have been 08 or 09. I'm right. not sure, but um. I just knew what we were, what was going on in Montreal was something special, and um, you know I was I was right. You know we ended up winning two great cups after that, going to like three in a row. We had some really good years there. You know, in my opinion, we you know, we should have probably went to five in a row. If you ask me, but mm-hmm. you know it didn't work out. However, um, I just wanted to be a part of something special. You know, Coach Chesson had some things going on good there at the time, and there were some good guys in front of me that you know that 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 were some good leaders that they, that, that eventually helped mold me into you know the player that I am. So. Uh, I owe something to those guys too, but it was just something I wanted to be a part of. And at the time, I just I didn't want to come to a team that had a losing record. And if mm-hmm. I came over here and played, and it didn't work out how I wanted it, how they wanted it to, within you know the three or four games that I would have had to play, well, my career could have been over, you know, that that very same year. So I feel like I made the, made the right decision at the time. Absolutely. And the difference between catching a pass from AC and Ricky Ray, what's the biggest difference when that ball hits your hand? Um, you know, I, I mean. Respect to both of those guys. Those guys are both, you know, first ballot Hall of Famers. So, I, mean, I really can't say anything bad about either one of them. Um, you know, like this, they both they both make it easy, make it easy, make it easy to catch the ball. They put it where it needs to be, and all you got to do is go up and catch it. And even when they didn't make it easy on you, SJ, somehow you came down with it every time. How do, how do you how did you and how do you uh, work on your hands? Um, I don't know, man. I can't give away a secret. <laughs> I, I mean, honestly, I just, you know, I work on different hand-eye coordination drills throughout the off season, and um, you know, I always just put, you know, put put the effort and put the work in, put the grind in, and um, it, it 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 works out for me on the field. You know, what's amazing to me, SJ, is that no matter who I talk to or whoever, you know, whenever I see you come back to Molson Stadium, it's just like even on social media, I just find. Um, that you're probably the most respected player amongst your peers. Like, do you feel that? Like, you feel you have that respect from everybody? Because I think it's really obvious from the outside. Um, I mean, I, I I do feel I do feel feel real good about you know my peers and where I stand with them. But um, and, you know, ultimately, I feel like you know that's that's kind of what everybody does this for, right? You know, you, you know, you grind hard to provide for your family, of course, and you know to provide it for for yourself a, a better way, a better living for yourself, but. You know, the ultimate satisfaction is having the, the respect and, and acknowledgement of your peers. You know, 
you know, those are the guys you go to war with every day. Those are the guys you want you want to respect you the most. It's the guy that you that you play play against and play with. So yeah, I do feel I do feel that a little bit. You know, around the stadium, Esther, I mean, Molson Stadium, there's still quite a few uh, number 19 jerseys. Um, what do you miss most about Montreal? I know you're in a great situation. You want another great cup in Toronto. But what do you miss most about Montreal? Um, I miss I miss most, you know, for one, the food. The food is amazing. <laughs> All the different places you can go eat there, the different places to hang out is, uh, is amazing. Um, but, you know, really game day. You know, game day and being in the locker room with teammates and, you know, going out to that stadium when it was twenty two thousand a week in there, yeah. and um, you know it was loud, and you hit horns on third down, and you know, the, the horns in the national anthem. That was, you know, I, that's that's what I, I missed the most. Why? Why aren't you still here? <laughs> trying to bait me, trying to get me in trouble, Joe. No, no, no. I'm not trying. Not at all. What if you if you want to say next question, we're good. I just I think a lot of people are curious. You're still very popular here. I, well, I'm not. I'm not there anymore because I got traded away. You know, I had a. I had a knee injury, and um, it was a, it was a knee injury that you know, you know put my future in question. It put my my ability to come back in question. And uh, you know, Adelaide had to make a business decision, and they did that, and and we, here we are now. You, what was the recovery like for that? Because that I mean that Esther, you had that was a serious. What you tore ACL, MCL, PCL, and meniscus? Is that right? Yes, sir. So I mean, and and I like you came back faster than you were supposed to. Well, I mean, I'll be honest with you, Joey. I put I mean, from the time I went home in in early August to having my surgery on the eleventh that year of August. Um, I came home on the twelfth. Mm-hmm. I went back. Actually, I went back to rehab on the twelfth and started the day after. And I didn't. I didn't miss a day from August twelfth until what what May. Twenty fourth or twenty fifth, we went back to camp that year. I, I was I was on top of it that much, and I was I just you know allowed myself to completely indulge in the process and really became one with myself and enjoyed my family, appreciated life, and I was able to it, it was able to be a, be a beautiful process at the end of the day. Yeah, I mean, all you did was uh, fourteen hundred and sixty two yards and ten touchdowns, uh, SJ. When did you? I mean, when did you start feeling like yourself again? After the first catch down down the really? field, that side, man, it was that first catch. Wow. I mean, that catch, it was just like, yeah, I'm, here I am. I'm back. Cause, you know, I, I came back that year wanting to make a statement because I felt so disrespected based on how everything I'm played, you know, was, was, I'm played itself in Montreal. And mm-hmm. I really just want to make a statement, let let the league know that, you know, I'm still, y'all still got to gotta deal with me, and I'm, I'm still that guy. <laughs> no kidding. Uh, who's the best receiver in the CFL today? You can say you. As humble as I am, I'm gonna to have to say myself. You know, there's some some special guys in this league. You know, guys I like to pay. You know, pay my respect to Speedy Banks, Brian Burnham. Um, you know, there's some other guys that I'm, I'm not know I'm forgetting some guys. You know, Devere, you know, Darrell Walker, Armani Edwards. There's some guys that I got a lot of respect for um, in this league, and uh, but you know, I still feel like I'm I'm, I'm him. <laughs> Best uh, or or the defensive back who gives you the toughest time. I haven't met him yet. <laughs> I listen. I remember because now there's all this talk about Montreal making the playoffs and all that, and you know, for the first time in a while. And I think the first, the last time you were still here, right? I think that was in 2014. And I remember the lead up to that game, you guys going to the East Semi in Hamilton when I was that the game Banks had two kicks for touchdowns. 
You know, he actually did that two years in a row. He did so. that two years in a row. But I remember you played. You told me in the league leading the in the the week leading up to the game. I said, uh, "Who do you expect to match up with?" You said, "Doesn't matter. Put it in the paper. I'm going to burn anybody." And you did. And I think you played that game with broken ribs, if I'm not mistaken. Um, I can't remember. I don't, I don't think I had broken ribs at that time. I might have. I might have broken them earlier that year, but at that time, I might have been, you know, a little bit more healthy at the time. But so it probably wasn't as as as, as serious of the injury at that time. But it was still lingering, possibly. Um, but I don't remember much about the injury. I remember more about you know the interview and. Yeah, you know, the guy that, that was covering me that that particular who, that particular week. Who was that again? Um, the name escapes me. You made him irrelevant. Yeah, we'll you, that you, you ended a career that day, SJ. Goodness gracious! Uh, <laughs> uh, any part of you happy uh, about the resurgence of the Alou? I mean, I know you're you know you guys go head to head, but happy to see Montreal kind of thriving, the market at least thriving I mean, again. You know, that's 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 a, that's a weird, funny question to ask. But you know, to be honest with you, I even told guys when I was in Montreal, you know, um, even being on the opposite side of the spectrum and being in double blue, um, it is good to see Montreal playing good football and you know winning games. Um, you know, because you know coming from where you know where we came from years ago, the success that we had and to to go through, you know, all the losses, the down years that, that, that took place over there, it is, it is good to see those guys winning. You know, I'm not, not so happy that, that they're winning that because right. so much more happy that they're winning than we're losing, but it is just good to see the organization, you know, kind of get on the field a little bit. Uh, SJ, saw, like I mentioned earlier, saw your family on the field uh, after the last game, and I got to say, are you going to play long enough to play with your son? Because it looks like uh, he's not that far away. Uh, no, I can't do that. You know, he'll be in high school here soon, so you know, I gotta, I gotta get home and make it to that, that, uh, that high school, do that, do that carousel. My son will be there for him every step of the way. You know, I've, I've been away pretty much, you know, majority of his life. You know, so I gotta, I gotta get back in. How many more do you want? Do you have any idea how many more you want to play? Um, I don't want to put a number on how many more years I want to play, but I just tell you, I definitely want to play again next year, and I plan to play on the, be on the field next year. Um, and, uh, you know, I'll take it one year at a time, you know, going from there. You know, SJ, it's crazy that I hear you talking one day, one year at a time. And I remember when you first started and I mean, it's just, it's been really a great career, man. Uh, 34 years old. I hope you go till 40. I hope you hit the 40. I don't, it doesn't sound like that might happen. Uh, but really it's been a spectacular career. Congrats on, uh, everything that you've accomplished. And I hope I didn't uh, get you into any trouble. I don't think so. I think you handled everything gracefully like you always do, man. Thanks for doing this. I really appreciate you joining us and uh, all the best heading into the offseason. All right. Thanks a lot, Joey. Take care, brother. Thanks for having me on, man. It means a lot. That was SJ Green, slot back Toronto Argonauts, uh, kind enough to join us on the True North Football Podcast with Joey Alfieri. And that was, uh, that was a good interview. I like that. That was funny. And uh, SJ claiming I'm trying to get him in trouble. It was... Uh, was pretty funny too, uh, but uh, no, thank you to SJ Green uh, for joining us on the show, and um, all the best to him in the off season. I know it's been a tough couple of years uh, for the Toronto Argonauts, but that is uh, a man with a great character, and that's a man uh, who I'm sure will come back in 2020 uh, and be an even better player. So, uh, all the best to SJ Green and the Toronto Argonauts, and uh, thank you for making that happen uh, to both parties. Uh, I know we opened the show uh, talking uh, Coach of the Year. Uh, again, I mentioned uh, earlier on that I was at Saturday's game. I worked the game for TSN Radio here in Montreal, and uh, I am fortunate enough to be on the field during the game, so I get to hear a lot of what's said on the sideline, and, and just I get to to really get a sense of, of what the mood is on the sideline. But 
there was some intensity in that game, but there was something that stood out to me post-game uh, that I wanted to get to, and it didn't even strike me in the moment. I'll play the clip for you in a second. Uh, but Christopher Amoa, who was a former member of the Edmonton Eskimos, is a uh, running back who played at uh, Laval University uh, here in Quebec. He made his Alouettes and CFL debut on Saturday against Hamilton, caught a couple passes late, got a couple carries later on in the game uh, after they, they took Jeremiah Johnson out. And a reporter asked Kahari Jones during the uh, post-game press conference what he thought of Amoa. And then follow, the reporter followed that up by asking Jones what he, you know, if he thought that Amoa had a future with the team. So here's the question. Here's the answer. I want you to listen to this. Yeah, do you see uh, this guy in the future in your team uh, next year? I have no idea. I, it's not my team next year. <laughs> so, <laughs> so we'll see. We'll see. But, uh, yeah, I, I, yeah, I'm only thinking about this year. And so this year, uh, yeah, he played well for us. That's a bit of a strange answer. And, and honestly, I, I thought, I mean, look, the, the question was, it's not a bad question. Uh, I just, I don't think it's one that Kahari Jones was expecting to answer. You know, about a rookie running back who made his debut in a nothing game. I, You know, whether Amoa has a future with the team or in the league or not, I, I have no idea. And I don't think Kahari Jones knows either. But it was an interesting choice of words. So we've heard the rumblings about, you know, Kahari Jones possibly going to Winnipeg if Mike O'Shea is out and ends up leaving uh, for Toronto. But... That's not my team next year is not the answer that I was expecting for Kahari Jones. And again, in the moment, I didn't really make anything of it because I thought it was, you know, it was a question that I wasn't really expecting. But going back and listening to that tape, you hear that the laughter and he was the only one in the room laughing. And it's kind of a, I guess it's kind of a nervous laugh. I think it's somebody realizing that they said something that they probably shouldn't have said, whether they intended to say it or not. And I don't know if it means anything. I don't know if Kahari Jones has one foot out the door or not. I don't know if Kahari Jones wants to go back out West or not. I just thought it was curious that with all these rumblings and he had been asked about it uh, on the TSN 690 morning show, he does a weekly hit on Wednesday mornings, just after 720, uh, I believe it is. And he's hasn't want to talk about it. Didn't want to get into his future, but I don't know. Like I, I got to thinking and part of me says, you know, this is the team that gave him his shot to be a head coach. And I think, you know, maybe there might be some, some loyalty there, but the guy who ended up promoting him, Kavis Reed is no longer here. There's going to, at some point, there's going to be a new ownership group. That new ownership group, is going to hire or somebody's going to hire a new general manager. And then what, what, like what type of future is that for a head coach? So the new GM is going to come in and typically, you know, GMs like to hire their own head coaches. So there's no way that a new GM could possibly get rid of Kahari Jones. If Kahari Jones wanted to stay in Montreal like that, that cannot happen. Uh, my phone already blowing up with tweets about how people would not be interested in renewing their season tickets if Gahari Jones was gone. Like the Alouettes have to pull out every single stop to bring Gahari Jones back. But 
I think Kahari Jones is a is a hot candidate right now. He's a hot commodity. Um, and if O'Shea decided to leave for Toronto, I'm I'm sure there's other guys, guys like you know Paul Lapolice would be in consideration there. But I mean, Kahari Jones could decide to go to Winnipeg. But I'm I'm just I'm starting to think like maybe this this clip this soundbite. Maybe it just it was a slip of the tongue and it doesn't mean anything at all. And maybe Kahari Jones will sign an extension and there's not going to be any problems in the future. But I just found it interesting that, you know, the words he used were interesting. And the fact that there was some nervous laughter in there, I thought that was interesting too. But just thinking, I'm, I'm just thinking logically is this an ideal situation? I mean, look, this year, the reality is they played with house money. There was no expectations. Nobody gave them a chance. And again, that's why I think he should be coach of the year, along with all the other challenges they have, including not having an owner, not having a general manager, and most of the coaching staff not even being his guys. But a new GM is going to come in and a new GM is going to want to hire his own head coach. And a new GM's most likely, if Kari Jones wants to be back, a new GM is not, is not going to be able to hire his own head coach. So at the first sign of adversity, at the first sign of struggle in 2020, everyone's going to be mentioning the same thing. Oh, Kari Jones wasn't GM X's guy. How, you know, how much of a leash does he have? And obviously, that's going to depend on the contract that he signs, if he does sign one in Montreal. But it just got me thinking, logically, is is this the best, the best fit for Kahari Jones? He's had success here. There's no doubt he knows the team, knows the facility, knows the city now. This is year two in Montreal. But does he roll the dice, go through the coaching interview process with a general manager who's going to handpick him? And does he maybe get that? a bit more of that security knowing that the general manager in place absolutely wants him. It just, it, it got me thinking again, I have no Intel on, on what Gahari Jones is thinking right now, or, you know, what he's feeling. I know the family lives out West in Vancouver or they're in, out in BC. Maybe he wants to get closer, you know, maybe he wants to go further West. I, I have no idea, but there's no denying that if you're not the pick of the general manager that's in place, at some point, the leash is just naturally going to be shorter. So what happens with the Owls, what happens with Kahari Jones, uh, we will see. But as I explained earlier, definitely deserves to be coach of the year. Uh, thank you very much to SJ Green. That's it for episode two of the True North Football Podcast with Joey Alfieri. Uh, enjoy the weekend of football. It's the last weekend of the regular season, everybody. And we'll be back next week breaking down the playoffs.